Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today we have our guest, Superintendent Dr. Kim Anderson of the Benton School District, a few miles southwest of Little Rock, Arkansas. Dr. Anderson is a passionate educator who has been in education for 29 years as a teacher, coach, library media specialist, technology coordinator, school improvement specialist, and professional development coordinator. Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, Vice President of the Plexus Foundation. And today, I'm very excited to have our special guest, Superintendent Dr. Kim Anderson from the Benton Schools in Benton, Arkansas. You know, I'm always interested in interim roles just because you see that a lot. People are interim superintendents, interim provosts, interim presidents. And then you almost decide whether you want to stay or not, don't you, at that point? Yes, yes, definitely. And it was definitely a trial for me. I, and, you know, I always go back to say God has a sense of humor because <laughs> nowhere in my line of sight did I ever prepare or want to be a superintendent. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he had to really talk me into coming down to be the assistant superintendent. Uh, I was very happy in my role <laughs> at my previous district, and um, I, I came down here for him. He's one of my best friends, and mm. uh, I always wanted to work with him and for him. And and so, um, like I said, it's uh, God has that sense of humor because I never wanted the responsibilities of being a, a superintendent. And after getting that interim role. Uh, you know, I said, Hey, I can do this. So that's awesome. It, it is kind of interesting career wise, how we end up where we do. Um, there's been some superintendents I have the honor of talking to, like, I always wanted to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke Olson Farrell from Vermont. She's like, she's like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a superintendent. I was like, okay, that's the first time I've heard that, which is great, you know. <laughs> and others have said opportunity along the way. And it mm-hmm. sounds like um, the person you worked for was just a tremendous. Uh, resource for you. Tell us a little bit yes. about that. Well, uh, he and I went way back. We coached against each other in the nineties, um, uh, okay. and then ended up going through our doctoral program together. Oh, nice! We worked at worked at the Jonesboro School District together, uh, okay. and then he got hired as superintendent. And um, he um, called me after his first year and said, "Hey, I've got a job for you. I want you to come down and join my team." And so, a lot of prayer, a lot of talking to my parents and you know what the opportunity was and so I decided to come on down and take a chance and um, had great things going on under his leadership uh, and then COVID hit and just like with a lot of other districts you know superintendents were put in almost backed into a corner on what they could That's do true. and what they couldn't do um, and Unfortunately, what the state kind of put put on us to have to do as districts uh, really kind of cost him his job mm. from there. Um, mm. Very conservative community, um, didn't like the masking and, and everything. And so, uh, unfortunately, following state guidelines kind of ended up being uh, the result of him losing his position. And that was very hard on me because oh, he's yeah. always been one of my mentors. Um when we coached against each other, I, I followed what he did. Uh, he was an exceptional coach, um, and it was very hard to take over after he was let go. But he's also been one of my biggest supporters. 
he checks in on me, makes sure things are going great. Uh, and he was the one actually encouraged me to go for it. So, so anyway. And now you're here. You know, and now you, I'm here. <laughs> it, as you were mentioning, the um, superintendents, as I've learned over so many conversations, is you're such a lightning rod for everything, like you mentioned, backed into a corner on. It could be anything you get backed mm-hmm. into a corner on. Um, yes. And obviously alignment with the board and the state requirements mm-hmm. and federal requirements. I mean, you're juggling just about everything, you know, with since you've been in this role, you know, how how has it been with juggling board, state, federal staffing requirements, everything you have? I know I know there's a lot. That's a big list. Uh, but, you know, how do you look at the priorities and, and see what's best for what your district needs and then, you know, what the state needs at the same time? First and foremost is what's best for students. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. There, uh, there's no decision I would regret as long as I'm taking the students' needs into consideration first. Uh, secondly, teaching our teachers. Uh, making oh, sure yeah. that they're getting what they need uh, to be successful in the classroom, uh, not only successful in the classroom, but socially, emotionally as well. Yes. So those are those are my two top priorities. Um, and I keep that in the forefront of everything that I do. Um, and then the rest of everything else is just, you know, just background noise, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and. Knowing what I'm willing, what hill I'm willing to die on, sure. you know, a lot of a lot of those decisions, they really don't impact, um, you know, my top priorities. So a, a lot of the decisions that are made day to day are relatively small compared to some of the other decisions. Uh, I've got a very supportive board; um, mm. they're great. Um, got have great staff. Uh, great community, great community support, and so as long as as long as I keep students first, uh, staff right in behind them, and then also understanding the community values and True. what they're you know and following those values, making sure my decisions are in line with those values, um, I think is a big piece of that as well. That makes a lot of sense. You're right because you are in the community. You're not separate. You're right. part of it. Right. You're an integral part of facilitating education, helping the teachers and the students do the best they can. Um, and I'm sure you have passionate board members who are absolutely dedicated, love their businesses, love the community and love the kids in it, don't they? Yes, definitely. Definitely. One of the biggest things that uh, we do is a, a board luncheon every month and the board members love that. They, they mm. come, we, we, um, tell them what school to go to. We rotate schools and they go in and they get to sit and talk to students and, and see the teaching staff. And, and um, then I'll give them some updates or we may have some actions that we have to take, but that's a, that's a vital part of their role as a board member is getting into the schools and seeing what's going on and getting to uh, have communication with students and staff. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a while since they've been in school, I'm sure. Right. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's it, it's been a little it's been a little bit. We've actually started those back up last year. Um, oh, that's nice. So we we actually started those back up last year. You know, I would imagine they would get excited about seeing the kids and the teachers mm-hmm. and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of things? I mean, when you're there with them, 
what do you hear the kids talking about? I'm always curious because, you know, I have my kids, they're in school, but like, what are the kids talking about when, when they're in these sessions with them? Well, and it's, it's more, it's more of sitting down with them and eating lunch with them. It's, sure. it's, um, you know, saying hi to them. A lot of it's recess, you yeah, know, they're, getting ready, they're eating to get ready to go to recess. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll talk about their favorite thing to do, like PE music, art, what their favorite thing to do is at school yeah. um this is actually the city has uh, has grown quite rapidly mm. but it still has that small town feel okay and so a lot of people know each other and so when we go into these into the schools a lot of the board members know the students that are there oh, they already have nice. personal relationships with their parents they you know even though we're a district of over 5800 students it's still a, a small town feel and a family atmosphere. Right. And for Arkansas, you know, I've had an opportunity to interview many superintendents in the podcasts and 50 is pretty big. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're what you would call uh, class six a in football, uh, which is the second largest classification. And we are actually expected to be seven a in two years. So then you'll be so. definitely playing against little rock, right? <laughs> Yes. yes. I'm not worried about Little Rock so much as I am Bryant. <laughs> like they've won like five straight state championships undefeated, have to go out of state to to find somebody to play outside their conference. Nobody wants to play them. <laughs> They're too big, huh? You're just like, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. When we play them every year. So we have a we have a football game called the Salt Bowl. Oh, and we nice. played at War Memorial, and we'll okay. have anywhere from twenty five thousand plus people in attendance. Um, okay, that's huge, fun. That's fun. Huge, and and you don't know when you leave Bryant and come into Benton, and or leave Benton and going to Bryant. So <laughs> anyway, so it's a uh, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome experience, uh, especially for Bryant. I've been here, like I said, six years, and I think they've beaten us all six years. So. We've, we've almost gotten them a couple of times. Makes yeah. me want to come just to see the game. Hey, the you crowd. need to. You need to. I'm telling you, it is uh, a great atmosphere for high school football. It's the actually, I think it's the largest attended high school game in the state of Arkansas and, and probably in the South. If you take Texas out of the mix. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking 25,000. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's uh, we, like I said, we have to play it at War Memorial in yeah. Little Rock. So, I mean, that's fun as a superintendent. That's got to be so fun for you to see everyone coming together around this and really, I mean, I know athletics, um, the arts, other things, you know, volunteer things. Every, every district has their own unique niche that really pulls people together. So it sounds like the rallies and everything are a lot of fun with the football and getting ready. Yes. Yes. We, <laughs> we have an outstanding uh, athletic program, arts mm -hmm. program, um, and like I said, the community is very involved. We have a lot of alumni that come to our uh, pep rallies, uh, whether they have kids or not. You'll see them pop in uh, oh, for nice. things like that. Uh, they're at the football games. They're at the basketball games. Um, you know, so so got a lot of community support. And like I said, alumni that come back. You know, that's alumni and that community support is key. Um, it's funny. I, you know, I grew up in the Northeast. 
I'm a Yankee, right? I'm, I'm not a Yankee fan. I hate <laughs> the New York Yankees. I can't believe I'm saying this on camera, but I do. I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, you know, the small towns there have a lot of, grew up in a very small town in New England, uh-huh. a lot of pride in the football and that connection and the, wow. the athletics. And what I was thinking about was, you know, when, when you as a superintendent and you think about your community and you think about the bigger picture priorities of where you envision your high school students going, what do you, what do you see and what priorities do you have on the table? Well, one of the things that um, the priorities that we have is to make sure we have a pathway for every student, mm. um, whether that be college, career, workforce, military, uh, make sure we have solid, uh, outstanding programs in all areas uh, that help them get there. Uh, we had just completed and are in our second year at the Sling County uh, Career and Technical Center. Oh, uh, wonderful. There's six, six schools maybe that go in okay. uh, and joined in that. And, and so as that grows, um, it will be even better and better. And, and kids are when they when they come out of there, they're coming out with an associate's degree uh, and a completed pathway uh, to where they can go. They can take the certification test if they need to and move on into the workforce, or they can go on into college, um, whether it be a two year or four year, and continue that pathway there. So that that's one area. We have a very strong junior ROTC program. Mm. That is one of the best in the nation as far as their ratings that they get every year. Uh, and we have several that go into the military out of that. Uh, we have uh, students at the Naval Academy. We have awesome. uh, students that have gone, gone straight into the Navy, the Army. Um, you know, And so we've got a, a great program there that helps lead to, to military. And then, of course, the college path uh, that most people yeah. take and still think that's the most important path. Uh, I don't know. There's, there were people there, there are kids that are out there doing plumbing and electrical and everything that are making more money than some of our teachers are in their first couple of years, you know? Um, but just making sure we have strong AP programs, we have concurrent credit, uh, you know, every year we, we seem to have at least one, if not two national final finalists. Uh, but, but really from an academic standpoint, uh, not only the pathways, but to make sure that we don't have any barriers that keep right. kids from <clears throat> reaching their full potential. You know, are there barriers that we're putting in place through our policies and our procedures um, that prevent kids from reaching their, their full capacity um, as a student? And or are there barriers that the students have and how can we remove those to help them be successful? Uh, so those are those are the two two biggest things, the pathways and the barriers. Um, the the next, of course, is that social emotional yeah. piece yeah. that uh, a big one and really days. really is more important than what I just talked about. But uh, making sure every child has a, a relationship with an adult, a trusted mm-hmm. adult that they can go to, uh, and then not only that, but our adults. You know, I, I challenged the teachers in three areas this year. Mm. I said I, I have three expectations. Number one, take care of yourself because nobody else is going to. Uh, number two, take care of your family because True. they're your biggest supporters. And then number three, when you're at school, you're 100% in. You're all in because our students deserve that. Uh, if you can't be all in, then then you may need to to stay home and get your mind right. Either <laughs> If you come to school, fake it 
fake it till the end of the day or or you're one hundred percent all in, but you've got to be one hundred percent engaged and in attendance when you're when you're on campus and and so those two pieces there to make sure that our teachers you know we're meeting the social emotional needs of our teachers and our students um yeah. is very important and of course school safety i mean that that is the most that's <clears throat> at the top of the list, and we spend a ton of money on school safety mm. um and so we have an SRO at every campus, uh, and we have seven oh, campuses. Oh, that's good. And um, you know, we've we've got the access controls and and cameras and and all of that. So, but um, school safety is at the top. But I think that social emotional and developing those relationships with students and with teachers um, has a huge impact on school safety. So, uh, it's, uh, you, when you talked about the safety and the social emotional and using those tools to identify the barriers all around. Yes. I mean, that's a big part of us is, is seeing what barriers exist, correct? And going, right. how can we help people understand that they exist for themselves and for us? Mm-hmm. And then look at potential solutions. Because I know when, you know, when you talk to a parent, a parent or student about their own barriers mm-hmm. to success, that's a tricky conversation, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we, I, I know we have those bar- those conversations. You know, if a student's not getting to school on time or not coming to school, yeah. you know, we, we sit them down and we ask them, hey, what's going on? What, especially a high school student, we, we work through them and what's going on? Why, why can you not get here? What do you need? Do we need to get a bus to you? Do we, you know, what are your needs in order to get here? Um, elementary student will, will bring a parent in and say, hey, you know, what's, how can we help? What, what, problems are you having to get the student here on time and and so those are tricky conversations but those are conversations that have to be had true um you know that's what what we're trying to do is honest conversations with each other and with our stakeholders uh one one thing i saw when i was reading a, a book it said something about one of the biggest pieces of disrespect is not being honest with each other and so that's one of the things that we're trying mm-hmm. to do is have those honest conversations, no matter how hard they are. Um, because the last thing I want to do is disrespect a staff member or a parent or anything along that line by sugarcoating a situation. Oh, so. that is absolutely true. You know, the being honest and direct has benefits on both sides because then you yes. really deal with the meat of what's happening. Um, whether you're in a board meeting or you're at the legislative meetings or you're with your colleagues, right? You're with students or parents, mm-hmm. you know, and so you talk about, you know, teachers taking care of themselves, taking care of their families. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned that as well, helping them take care of themselves. I would imagine, you know, you talked about social, emotional, you invest quite a bit in helping them take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. That's actually one area that that we've got to figure out how to do how can we provide opportunities for them during the school day to to be able to take care of themselves? Um, yes. What, you know, what I'm asking them to do is to, when they leave work, is to, you know, go home, catch your breath, go work out, sit in your recliner, whatever that self-care is for you. Go get a massage, go out right. with your friends. Um, and so that we've got to do a better job of how can we support them at work in that social emotional area and that self-care area. Um, you know, do they have one of the things I'd ask them is do they have someone in their building that they can go and talk to 
right. and, and trust uh, with information that they may need to share. Uh, so, so that's a big piece. Um, and so that's some things that we're kind of looking for is how can we better support them in self-care here at work? You know, what can we provide for them? So I think that's important. You're right. Cause once you're not at work, there's lots of options, but when you're at work, mm-hmm. it's relatively limited. People tend to be a little more um, careful, right. With who they talk to and what they say, because they don't want to be misinterpreted or misunderstood right. and have that have a negative impact. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm yeah, sure, that, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, that just kind of falls on the building principal and assistant principal too. What type of culture and environment do you have um, mm, in the building point. that allows those relationships to, to take place as well? So, and then so, it feeds right into the kids, right? So exactly. You have high school kids that are, I mean, essentially young adults all with, you know, emotions and feelings. And I mean, you know, high school is such a cauldron of emotion. It's pretty incredible. Right. <laughs> I would imagine that you you live that students do watch very closely what the teachers do and how they respond, don't they? Yes, they do. They they watch very closely, uh, and it's hard sometimes to get the the teacher to understand that that yeah. it's not about what they say; it's what what they what they're doing to model that behavior they expect out of the students. Yeah, it's like being a quote boring. I don't think teachers yeah. are boring. <laughs> yeah, is actually. Emotionally, where it can be helpful, not emotionally unavailable, but right. just not reactive, right? That's exactly so key. And to exactly. some people, that can feel boring, but it's not. You can be excited, you can be engaged, you can be mm-hmm. thrilled, but you're not overreacting to things that are beyond our control or understanding, right? Exactly. Remembering <laughs> that you are the adult in the situation. <laughs> That's true. When you're that teacher, you walk in the door and I'm sure for you as Uh superintendents, I've talked to, you know, you, of course you have feelings and things come up. Mm -hmm. Of course you have reactions, but putting together Mm -hmm. what you know is best for everyone involved is always first, isn't it? Right. Correct. Correct. I remember that when I worked at the Cal state. So, uh, you know, whenever I talk to my team, I'd be like, remember, this is all bigger than us. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, in my role, it was very public like yours. No matter where I went, I had to understand that the perception of me would be the perception of the university. And it was, it was tricky at times, mm-hmm. not because I didn't want to, you know, I was always myself and not careful, but I was like, okay, I'm genuine. As long as I'm genuine, I'm living this out. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, with, in your march to be a superintendent, where do you see that you've grown over the past you say year, six, eight months? Has it been a year? <laughs> well, you know, interim went from October to June 30th and then taking over uh, July 1. Um, okay. So coming up I, on two. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on, coming up on, on be, well, it'll be a, fu- a full year in June. And That's then, right. Okay. And then however many months it was from October <laughs> to June. Um, I, I think that, you know, some of the things that, I've been able to do is I don't have to have a decision right away. I've Mm. learned that I can step back. I can take a breath. I can, um, I can put some thought process into it. I can bring some people into the conversation to get some feedback. Uh, That's probably the, the first thing that I've learned through my assistant superintendent and, 
on into the superintendent. Um, the second thing is there's no such thing as over communicating, mm, uh, especially point. to your, to your school board. Uh, <clears throat> and then the third thing is trying to see what the repercussions of a decision can be before the decision's made, uh, trying to be proactive in that, um, it, is something that we have to that we have to kind of step back and and see okay if i make this decision what's going to be the pros what's going to be the cons and that's yeah. what i try to do with the school board is is i give them the possible decisions they can make what the pros and cons are and then what my recommendation is and ultimately it's their decision um but i i try to make sure that they see the whole picture before they before they have to make that decision i think that's important and i think mm-hmm. getting out of people's mm-hmm. way i mean I, you know i've got three guys that are hired as assistant superintendents to do jobs i gotta stay out of their way <laughs> that's uh, true. And, and stay out of the way of the building principals and stay out of the way of the teachers unless we see something you know that needs to be addressed but just stay out of just stay out of people's way and let them do their jobs because 5,800 students and over 600 staff i mean there's no way that I can micromanage all of that. That's and true. So, That's very true. You're in a whole different area of leadership and their dependency on you to deliver resources, right? right? And right. whatever policy that can help them do their jobs best. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty cool stuff. I mean, you mm-hmm. said seven schools, right? Right. Seven schools. That's quite and getting ready to have an eighth school. We open up a new elementary uh, in August. So we'll have go from four to five elementaries. And then two years after that, we will open up a new middle school. So we're getting ready to jump from seven to nine schools uh, pretty quickly in the next three years. I mean, that is booming. I mean, to open two yes. new schools, mm-hmm. that's, that's yes. incredible. Yes. And a so junior high edition. Uh, so <laughs> we've been doing construction since I started here about six years ago. We've had something, some kind of building open or addition open or a wing open or whatever. So we are growing at a rate of anywhere from 100 to 200 students a year. Yeah, that's huge growth. That's yes. Yeah. Be trying to find the classes and the space and the teachers and everything for plus 200 every year. That's yes. It's a lot of planning and engagement. Sure, you and the yes. board are very busy thinking about those things, aren't you? <laughs> yes, we we are. Uh, we need to replace one of our old elementaries, and within cost of inflation and um, mm-hmm. some other things the state's putting on us, I I don't see. I at first thought we were going to be able to do it without a a potential millage increase, but I don't really know how we're going to be able to do it uh, without that. Um, and so we've got to kind of see how long can we really go because we we're very efficient um, sure. at in our day to day operations and hiring a staff and and everything and use several different pots of money um, that we we can put back quite a bit into our building fund each year and still provide raises for our teachers and bonuses for our teachers and so um, you know how long is it going to take us to get enough money put back in the building fund? in order to build this next school without having to do a millage, you know, can we, can we wait that long per se? Because they're heavily used every single day. Yes. Yes. I mean, weather takes its toll. People take its toll, just mm-hmm. natural building aging. Right. Right. Correct. Who knows if a storm's going to roll through and do some damage. No. Please know on that. At least I we know. have insurance. <laughs> At least we yes, have insurance. <laughs> 
it, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about that thing with the buildings and, and the nature of the infrastructure, because schools are, are a place where everyone goes for everything. When there's an emergency, everyone goes to stay mm-hmm. at the school. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's a celebration, you go to the school. Right. I mean, when everything's happening, it's, it's, it is truly the center of the community. Mm-hmm. And I had one, I forget who it was, one superintendent said, you know, we are the largest uh, restaurant in the entire town. <laughs> we serve yes. more people at one time during the day mm-hmm. than anyone else in town. That's right. Large, I didn't think about that. So breakfast and lunch, <laughs> breakfast and lunch. And then if you have that fruit and vegetable grant, then you, you serve a snack with either a fruit or a vegetable in the afternoons. Yeah. So. And it's incredible. Uh, the different laws. And I, I remember reading it said, had something about like um, the way they were handling the food. It was chicken nuggets specifically. Mm-hmm. Cause I love to read through the board minutes and see, right. just kind of see what's going on because there's so much you don't see. Right. And it was the handling of the chicken nuggets at this time, this time, and they put their improvement. And I was like, you know, it's that amount of detail that you said you get out of people's way to do their job well mm-hmm. and be responsive and make sure. Is there, you know, speaking of that, is what kind of data requirements are you having these days compared to, not compared, but what data are you typically having to report to the state and federal government on a regular basis that is different or new? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, during COVID, we had that addition uh, on how many had COVID, how many were quarantined, yeah. you know, things along that line mm. from a student student teacher. And, you know, you had to hire a person to do that. Um, our state has what we call cycle reports, and it's nine cycles. And each cycle has a certain amount of data that's that has to be done, you know, like attendance and um, the number of GT students, the number of um, SPED students uh, just anything you could think of as a sub pop or or anything in a school has to be reported this number of dyslexia students right. number of teachers that are are shown proficiency in the rise training um and then you have your standards of accreditation that you That's have true. to report uh and then you have your website requirements that you have to have the <laughs> salary schedule the salaries of every employee in the district on there uh your financials your board minutes um i'm trying to even think your school improvement plans your parent engagement plans i mean it's just just pages upon pages of things that we have to have on our on our websites and you know that's one of the conversations i've been having with some of our legislators you know arkansas's pushing through potentially a voucher program and even possibly money oh, falls yeah. for a child. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I'm not against a, a voucher program and I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on money following the child at this point, because I think there's a lot of things y'all haven't thought about. If a, if a kid goes to public school or private school, gets in trouble and gets kicked out, how do you rewrap that money to the public school? That's true. Because, if, if the kid comes back to public school, now we're, instead of $8,000 a child, we're having to do two two kids at 4000 you know, on $8,000 would be $4,000 each. So there's some things that y'all need to think about before you push this through. And they don't know. I mean, they don't know how school finance works or anything along that Right, line. right. Um, but I just want the same accountability. I want, yeah. I want equal accountability. I want, um, and I want them to kind of back off on some things that we have to, that we have to report. I'll, I'll give you an, a, 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 for instance. So every year we have to send in a sample of our free and reduced, reduced lunch forms for our child nutrition. Okay. You get to send in 3%. Well, we sent in 28 samples 
And we got a letter stating that we only were supposed to send in 27. So since we sent in one more than what we had to, we had to sit through a training video next year. <laughs> the, yeah. 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 That's so like, that's, bureau- that's like bureaucracy at its worst. Yeah. And that, that's I mean, truly, <laughs> that's the big part. I think there's data that we, that we gather um, on our own. Yeah. You know, we do interim tests and we gather that data to see where students are yeah. to to see how we need to intervene to get them to get them caught up or even that's what right, your measures. Your measures. measures yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you know, we there are some things that we do. Um we're we're a big uh um, professional learning community school. Uh we have two schools that are model schools. Um and you know, so you know, we really drill down into what where the students are and what their needs are That's not good. only academically but also behaviorally so we look at two sides of the spectrum if a kid is is struggling academically well what are what why what's the root cause right and we look at behavior well okay so their behaviors removing them from the class or preventing them from learning well why is their behavior where they are right. or they're absent or and so we have two different groups that look at that that information to try to figure out how can we best support the child. But like you said, it's just, it's bureaucracy on what we have to, what we have to report um, in the cycle reports and in the, in the um, standards of accreditation. Uh, And a lot of it's so outdated on, on really what we need to be doing. Uh, And then you have your federal. I think Jared up in, um, is it Bentonville, Fayetteville up there? Mm-hmm. Or he was talking about how some of the stuff was outdated. Yeah. We did a podcast a few months ago and he was talking about the voucher system and yes. he was actually going to go meet with one of the legislators to talk yes. about it. And I was like, awesome. It's good, yeah. good engagement. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, in Saline County, uh, we have a group of superintendents that we meet together. And a lot of times we will call our legislators in and we've got very supportive legislators, very supportive. Uh, they love our schools. They know we've got great schools and they really don't want to do anything to hurt our schools. Um, but then, you know, they let us know, hey, listen, we don't have the votes to keep the vouchers from going through or to keep this from happening or keep that from happening. Uh, so they're very keyed into their their party and what the votes are that they have and don't have and and have in t- at times given us a heads up, you know, so it's helpful, right? I mean, we're all professionals in this game and I mean, game for lack of a better term, but yeah, it, a lot it, of times it, it is a game, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> just tell me the rules. We'll play by them. Just tell me the rules. We, <laughs> or try, know, to you... start, try to find the loophole. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're a coach, you know, like, Hey, there's yeah. always something. Always something. There's defense and offense. You need exactly. good of both. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I you talked about data, and you know, I'm I'm a big data person too. And um, my, some of my colleagues over time and I, we were talking about being data informed because there's the narrative around what makes the data reflect what it does. Mm-hmm. You talked about the individual stories of what makes that data as it is, and right. you know, it, it's great to hear you talk about that. And I'm sure you talk about it with the board, mm-hmm. but I think that's part of the narrative we don't often hear about is, I mean, you hear news outlets talk about Mm -hmm. the narrative, but it's not, 
a reflective of what the district is doing and the right. real accomplishments and celebrations. Exactly. You know, um, we, we've just come through COVID and <clears throat> reading scores aren't where we want them to be uh, within our <clears throat> district and, and, and across the state, they're not where we want them to be. Yeah. Um, people forget that kids, especially K, K2 kids, they missed the whole last nine weeks oh, yeah. of education. And then when we come back, uh, you know, we were one of the first states back in person uh, in, 20, in uh, 2021 or 2020. Um, and we forget that some of those kids stayed home. That's true. And learned virtually. And, and so we have to remember that COVID put us behind and it's going to take more than a year to get us caught up. Uh, it's going to take if we can get them caught up is is the thing so so that's the that's the big key how do people forget how does that you know you know we say we want to get the kids caught up i I definitely understand that you know kids in california so many were at home and it was brutal absolutely brutal but what does it do again you may not have the answer just more of a conversation point Mm -hmm. What does it do to the kids' social emotional well-being? Talking about, hey, you're not where we need you to be, versus, hey, this is the circumstance where we're at, and we're going to take you and move you forward, right? Right, right. Kind of changing the narrative that way. A lot of it's how you present it to the child. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we have several schools doing is they're sitting down with with each individual child. They say, okay, this is where you are, and this is where we want you to be. Yeah. Where you, how how do we get there? And right. talking with the child and okay, what are our interim goals, and how how are we going to get there? And let that child talk about what they need to do in order to get there, because what it all boils down to is the child taking ownership of their learning. That's right. And taking full advantage of what the teachers are providing. That's right. Um, and so we've started we started that pre COVID. And actually had some student-led conferences at uh, one of our buildings. Hmm. And um, and so more schools have gotten involved in doing that. Because uh, one of the things that I want to do is our, our board's never been really focused on the academics side of it. So I want, I want to change our school board meetings to where, you know, we academics is part of the discussion each yeah. time we meet. Uh, and we've got somebody presenting on their growth and or some of the barriers that they have in place or, you know, just whatever a principal wants to talk to the board about. Yeah. And um, and so that's that's what we're trying to do with a child is is get them involved in their learning and where they are and where they need to get to and help them be part of the planning on how they're going to get there. So and then celebrate. That's awesome. When they meet those milestones, celebrate. Yes. That's one of the things that we forget so much is that yeah. celebration piece. So that's such a good point. It's like we all want to feel celebrated for our accomplishments. It doesn't matter how big or how small. Because mm-hmm. to us it's important. And you're right, for the kids, I mean, that's what they live for. I mean, the celebrations and those accomplishments. They work hard yes. to get there. Yes. And then I love that you you set those goals and mm-hmm. you're probably familiar with Hattie scale and the different research that's been around that. And like yes. students figure out where like self-grading and self-assessment mm-hmm. is one of the main factors to success as well as teacher self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. So student self-efficacy has got to be a predictor, yeah. right? I don't even know if that's ever been measured to be honest with you. <laughs> <clears throat> it's probably, true. I don't know how new of a concept it is that, you know, uh, and, and when it all really came about, 
yeah. been in this business 33 years, so it gets a little foggy on when certain things have, have started. <laughs> so, I mean, when we were in school, absolutely not. You were asked what no. grade you wanted. You were told. No. You yeah. just kind of did. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you when you it. talk about that, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. back in my day, you're like, but yeah. it has changed for better. Yeah, it has. It has. For better. I, I love what our kids get and that, you know, you get to see that change in what they do and how they think. I was helping my eighth grader with math and she's like, I have to develop a function. And I was like, mm-hmm develop a function. And of course I knew what she was talking about, but I'm like, wow, that would have been a lot of fun to have to develop a function in eighth grade mm-hmm. versus oh, yeah. the rote things. Like the, mm-hmm. the way they're taught to think about education right. is just wonderful. Right. And I love that you yeah. get to be at the helm of that. And you sound like yeah. you love what you do. I, you I love do. your district. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm having a good time. People ask me how long, is I, like I said, I've been in it 33 years and People tell me how long I said, well, I'll feel blessed if I get three years at the helm, you know, yeah. shooting more toward five, maybe seven. I don't know. As long <laughs> as I'm like I told somebody the other day, as long as I'm having a good time doing my job and I'm being successful and making a positive impact and yeah. the board still wants me around, I'll, I'll be here up to seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back out by that time. Be losing money. Be losing money coming to work instead of staying at home. <laughs> so true, isn't it? Yeah. You do have yeah. to weigh those things. Yeah, like, you have mm. to weigh those. And I want to be retire young enough to go and enjoy life and travel and do some things that That's that right. I've always wanted to do. So, That's but awesome. I'm not looking. I'm not looking toward. I'm not looking at. Okay, when am I going to retire? Just yet, because <laughs> I am. I am having a good time. A lot to be it. said of, of being able to walk out the door, you know, yeah, and, and be done. So that's right. Enjoy the continuum of life from from yes. your role into the rest. Right, it really is a continuum versus homework. It's all part of. Right, we live it every day, and you know, it's been it's been so fun to talk to you. Anything else you want to share? Don't you say you have a board lunch today? Is that right? Yes, we're going to uh, Andrew Gray Elementary. It's our okay. highest poverty school, and we're, we'll mm. go in there and we will um, sit down and have have lunch and talk to staff and students that are there. And then I'll provide them some updates. I, every every Friday, I, I send an email with updates. Oh, nice! On what's happened this week, what's coming up, and and so I will provide them with some updates uh, from this past week and what's ahead of us and. Um, then hopefully be able to send them back to work at 1230. So, so, but yeah, we have that and uh, opening up that new school is we've got our principal hired and she's already on. Oh, that's awesome. She's already on, on the job and uh, ordering. She's seeing how overwhelming it is now. That's, that's why I wanted to, I wanted somebody that had all had been a principal and knew what the needs were of the building. uh, And actually our principal from Angie Grant was the one that got the, the position, the new position, and we were able to replace her and bring that person on board in the middle of the year. So that's smart. Uh, yeah, we well, and she's <laughs> some days she's like, "What did I do?" <laughs> you know, you got to order all the furniture, all the technology. There's so much that has to be thought about. You're setting up the procedures and the processes in the building, and and it's uh, it's, she's finding out how much fun. How many is. students will be at that school? We're shooting for about 500 at each school. Um, somewhere about 435 and up, uh, a lot of it, we're, uh, we have a company that's doing the rezoning. Oh, okay. th- this is going to be interesting. Um, we are rezoning for, uh, the, we have four elementaries okay. and one middle school, one junior high, one high school. 
And so these zones have been in place for decades. Sure. And now we're adding a new school and we're going to have to rezone. Mm. So that's going to cause a lot of uh, heartache and stress on families. Because uh, like I said, this is a, this is a, a, a small town feel still. And you've got kids that are going to the same elementary that their grandmother, great grandmother, you know, and now because the boundaries are changing, they may have to change schools. And that, that causes a lot of almost sentimental death. That's true. Within, um, And so we've got some, a road ahead of us to try to get through. Cause you're not going, it doesn't matter where you put the lines. It's not, you're not gonna make anybody happy. Right. And, right. Um, and so we've, we've got some challenges ahead, but uh, we'll, we'll get through it and overcome it and, and everything. So, um, but I'm hoping those boundaries come out soon because you got to <laughs> rework bus routes. You have to, there's a, there's a lot of that has to be done with public meetings and everything as well. The 3am detail work that you do, right? When you're like, okay, yes. this bus route and this. Yeah. I, and- yeah. <clears throat> I got somebody hired to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cause like, you don't want me doing it. No. I do that right now. You don't want me doing it. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> You're like, that is not my strength. Let someone else who handles that. But you're right that, um, you know, when you talk about what you talked early on in our conversation about caring for the student, Mm -hmm. even with the zone changes, when the students feel cared for, Mm -hmm. even though the transition is difficult, it makes it a lot easier when we know our kids are cared Mm -hmm. for and they love their school and their teachers. Right. And and that's one of the big reasons why I felt like that the principal out there had to be someone from Benton had had have roots here in Benton uh, because of those changes. Yeah. Um, And then we were fortunate enough to hire someone in her place uh, that from Benton has roots here in Benton. And and so those changes make it a little bit easier on families because they know the values of both ladies are, are, um, are the same as the communities and they know that those ladies will take care of their kids. And, and so that, that eases some tension. uh, If you know the principal and the teachers that are going to be, going to be there very much so very much so well i I, you know time goes by so fast when we do these um and we definitely have to have a follow-up conversation as you open these schools because that's a lot of fun yes Uh, and we do you know uh, um texas we we come to arkansas we i know the area so it's beautiful i've been there in the summer and the fall and beautiful absolutely beautiful love arkansas Uh, but what a pleasure to be able to spend time talking to you it's always an honor for me to be able to get a little bit of your time to learn and just right. just sit and like have a conversation about what you're doing and what your vision is. So thank you very much, Dr. Anderson. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And uh, this isn't my forte. And <laughs> the more I do it, the little bit easier, it, the easier it gets. Of course you make it easy as well. So oh, with your, with your relaxed, um, you know, the way you've relaxed and bring, bring someone that's nervous like I am. <laughs> I would never have known. See, I would never have known. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.